Good morning, Nachum. Good Arab Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Mishpatim. Tomorrow, in addition, we take out two Sifrei Torah. The first we read Parshas Mishpatim with its 53 mitzvos, and the second we read Parshas Shkolim. It is the first of the four special Parshios that we have, two before Purim, two after Purim, and the reading of Parshas Shkolim comes from the beginning of Parshas Kisisa, which is chapter 30 in the Chumash Pasuk 11, and where it starts, and it goes through Pasuk 16. It tells the Jewish people that they are to ready their shkalim. Every Jew had to give a half a shekel annually for the purpose of contributing to the Beis Migdash in order to pay for the communal korbanos, the communal offerings. In other words, every morning a korban tomid was brought, the daily offering was brought in the Beis Migdash, one for the nation. Every afternoon, at the time of Mincha, a korban was brought in the afternoon. Who paid for these korbanos? Uveyoma Shabbos, the Musaf, the additional offerings of Shabbos, Shnei Kavosim Tamimim, who paid for that? It came from the monies of the Machsis HaShekel that all the Jews contributed in order to have a chilek, a share in the Korbanos. I'd like to focus this morning on the first letter of Parshas Mishpatim. Parshas Mishpatim begins with the letter Vav. Ve'ele ha-mishpatim. And these are the laws. Rashi tells you that the Torah could have written the word Ele. These are the laws. And if so, it would certainly have cut off this chapter from the previous one. The fact that the Torah uses the letter Vav and these are the laws is there to connect and to teach, as Rashi cites from the Mechilta, that just as in last week's parsha, that which preceded Mishpatim, it's Misinai, it comes from God, and it comes from Sinai, so too these laws come from God and come from Sinai. And I'd like to show, time permitting, three different examples thereof. Let's start with, and I strongly recommend, if you can, bring a Chumash to the table tonight. Open up to Chamishi, chapter 23, and the second Pasuk 
in Hamishi Pasuk 7. Chapter 23, Pasuk 7, is most challenging. The first three words are very understandable. Midvar Sheker Tirchok. You shall distance yourself from falsehood, from speaking falsely. Wonderful. Now, here we go. Vinoki Vitzadik, literally an innocent person and a righteous person, Al Tarog. Don't kill. Wait a minute. Who would think that we would kill an innocent or a righteous person? And then the Torah goes on to say, Hashem speaking, Kilo at stick Russia. Why not? Because I, says Hashem, shall not exonerate the wicked. What is going on here? How are we to understand this Pasuk? So remember, we have the written Torah and the oral Torah. And with the oral Torah, Rashi is going to give us understanding to this Pasuk. What do the words mean? V'nokivet sadik, an innocent person and a righteous person, al tarog, don't kill. Says Rashi the following. Minayin, how do we know that if somebody was convicted in Bezdin, we're talking about a Sanhedrin katana of 23 judges, which judges capital cases. And you need at least a majority of two in order to find somebody guilty. And so the court has voted, and indeed it's the second vote, and the vote is 16 saying that he is guilty, seven saying that he is innocent, and each judge, and we begin with the lower-ranking judge, so they shouldn't be influenced by the older ones, higher-ranking, each judge has to say, I vote this way and why, not just innocent or guilty. What's the, d- the din, says Rashi? If somebody was found guilty and the court has finished, and, and what happened? Immediately, as they're walking the person to his death, because there is no Halonas Hadin. We don't have a criminal's role in Judaism that a person is going to just stay there. You're found guilty, you're executed. They're marching the person to his execution. When someone else comes and says, Yeshli Lilamid Olav Schus, I have something which is new information and new evidence to show that he's innocent. Guess what? Machzirin also. We bring him back. Why? Because, ah, look at the Pasuk. Vinoki al Taharok. If the man is really innocent, and we're going to find out by listening, and if necessary, we'll bring him back one, two, or any number of times until the new evidence is quote-unquote proven to be true or not true. How do we know we bring him back? Because the Torah says, Noki, someone who's innocent, al-tarog. 
okay? And Avapishenu Tzadik, he's not a Tzadik because he wasn't found to be a Tzadik in the Bezdin, but still he might be Naki from the capital offense, and therefore you are to bring him back. That is one case. Second case says the Torah, Uminayin, how do I know the opposite? That somebody was found innocent in the court of 23, and the court has adjourned, finished. V'yomarechod, and someone comes running afterwards, 10 minutes later, and he says, wait a minute, Yeshli lilameid olav chova, I have new evidence to show that the man is guilty. Right? What's the din? We don't bring him back. And where is that found? In that second word, Vitzadik, Altarog. If he was found to be a tzadik, don't you kill him. Now wait a minute. Why in the first case do we, come on, bring him back? Because maybe he's innocent. Why not bring him back in the second case? Maybe he really is guilty. Comes along the last part of the Pasuk, Kilo Atstik Russia. God says, Because I will not exonerate the wicked. I will not tolerate the wicked. Listen to the Rashi. You don't have to bring him back. Why? Kiani lo atstikenu bedino. I won't let him get away with it. Imiyotsa miyot chazakai. Even though he might have left your court innocent, yeshli shluchim harbe. I have many messengers, many ways. Says Hashem, la miso. I will kill him. Bemiso shenischayibu. What does that mean? It means that Hashem is part of the judicial process. Elokim Nitzav Badas Kale. That's the beginning of Tilim 82. And Hashem Ve'ele. And these are the laws. God is involved in our judicial process. Number one. Number two. A very interesting law found at the sixth parak of Bavakama. Grama Benazikin. If someone damages indirectly, my neighbor's dog keeps me up every night. I appeal to my neighbor, take him out of the yard, do something. His barking keeps me up. He ignores me Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. I'm going out of my mind. I can't sleep. What do I do? Thursday night, I take a bone. I lace it with poison. And I throw it over the fence. And I have witnesses that see I did that at 6 o'clock at night. 7 o'clock at night, the dog is barking at 8 and 9 and 10. 11, he's still barking. 12 o'clock, it's quiet. That night, I sleep. The next morning, he finds up and he sees the dog and he sees the bone. And he realizes what happened and he says, You, my neighbor, I'll see you in Besden. They come to Bezdin, and he says to the Bezdin, this man killed my dog, and he brings the bone, and he shows. And the Bezdin looks at the man and says, look here, you killed his bone, his dog, excuse me, 
but we cannot obligate you to pay for the damage to the dog. Why not? Because you killed the dog, Ayadei Groma, indirectly. Had you shot the dog, you'd certainly be chayav to pay. But since the damage was indirect, it didn't have to happen. It could have rained and washed the poison away. Somebody could have come into the yard and taken the door, the bone away. So the idea is, since it wasn't a definitive kind of a damage, you're not chayev bidei adam. You're not chayev man to man. But they turn to him and they say, but you are chayev lotzeis yodei shamayim. There's a higher realm of obligation here. You owe it to heaven. Heaven considers you a mazik. Heaven considers you someone who did damage to this man. And so, and these are the laws, because, listen carefully now, God is involved in this process. You owe it to him. He's part of the object, part of this court process. If you don't owe it, man, that the man, the court, cannot convict the higher conviction comes from Hashem. And finally, in Reb Zilberstein's latest Sefer, called Upirio Masuk, so he has the following case. The chuppah was perfect. The, the chassan and kala go into a yichud room, and they get up, they're ready to go out to greet the crowd, to dance. He opens, he's about to open the door, and the kala takes a look at the back of his suit. She lets out a scream. What happened? It seems that there was a wicker chair that normally a kala sits on. And the chassan didn't sit only at one of the two chairs that were prepared for the chassan and kala and the food around the table. He went to the side and he sat on the wicker chair that was meant to be for a kala that had been freshly painted that day and they didn't put down fresh paint. They didn't put that sign on the chair. The chassan gets up, he can't wear the suit, fortunately brought another suit to the wedding. Now at the end of the night, the whole wedding went perfect, but the father of the groom says, I'm deducting $300 from the bill because of your negligence, because you didn't put the sign wet paint. Says the owner of the hall, what do you mean? What was your son doing in the chair? What do you mean? This, the chair was there, not too far away. So what's the law? Discuss it at your table tonight. Who is right? Meaning, can they deduct the $300 or what was he doing on the chair? And if it was on the chair, why didn't they have the sign? Says Reb Zilberstein in this week's parsha, the Torah says in chapter 21, plus 33, talking about a bore, literally a pit. Okay, so what does that mean? A pit is... Something you dig in the ground is something which you go to for damage. And the Torah says, if you fall in there, who does the falling? Literally an ox or a donkey. And the Gemara in Bavakama 28b comes to teach us, you pay for an ox, but not for a person. The ox didn't, couldn't see necessarily where he's going, but a person should see. And Chamor comes to teach me, you don't pay for Kalim, you don't pay for vessels. Says Rabbi Zilberstein, the suit is like a vessel. From the letter of the law, the owner of the hall does not have to pay. The only question is now, does the owner of the hall have to pay? Says the Birkas Shmuel says that you do have been Adam Lam 
makom you do have between man and God in the case of the kalim of a boar, and says the chazon ish, no, you don't. Very, very interesting. And these are the laws that we are discovering what God meant when He said, Shor v'lo adam, chamor v'lo kelim. Ve'ele ha'mishpatim, God is involved very much in our judicial process. Shabbat shalom to all.